introduce Pastor Jim Critcher. Pastor Jim Critcher, I, I think when I think about him, the, the greatest impact he has had on my life is through three courses that he has co-written, which is the School of Empowerment, the School of Prophecy, and the School of Intercession. And I have attended all three of those, and they were revolutionary in the way that I looked at the world and the way I ministered. So we're so grateful to him. He's a, a leader in every nation global, and he's a recognized prophet, and he is here to speak a word that I know is going to impact your heart. So let's give him a hand. Thank you so much for all you do. Good morning. Wow. Well, if I fall over, it's going to be one or two things. I've either been slain in the Holy Ghost, which we hope that's the one, or I'm going to be reminded that it is six hours earlier where I came from. And so it would be like four o'clock in the morning. So let me introduce my wife, Angie, who is with me. There she is. We love your pastors dearly. Both of them anointed men and women of God, and just what a blessing. You know, you could always tell what God has in plan, has in store for a people on the basis of the leadership that God gives that people. And as I look at Pastor Carol, Pastor Andrew, let me tell you, God has some amazing things for this house and for this city. Somebody can say amen to that. But this morning... I want to get straight away into the word, and I've entitled this word, Running in the Rain. Running in the Rain. And I learned a new word of late. It's a word, prologue. And the word prologue means an event that sets up another event. Now, we know in the purposes of God, God never wastes a thing. God is always doing a thing that leads to another. Now, we have all globally, as a global community, we've been through a thing. It was called COVID. Now, if you're like I am, I'm kind of tired of talking about COVID. But what makes this particular event noteworthy is that it affected the entire globe. Everybody was affected. Whether you got the virus, whether you got it the second time, whether or not you buried a family member who, who, who died of it, economically, everybody around the globe was affected. And this, this made it very, very unique. At the beginning of the pandemic, in February or so of 2020, I prophesied a word that God was about to use this pandemic to drag a plow through the nations and through the church to open a furrow for the seeds of the gospel and for the reins of revival to run through. Now, dragging a plow is a very violent thing. If you've ever seen land that's been turned over in preparation for harvest, let me tell you, it's not, it's not pretty. And I'm from, a, I'm from a farming family in the United States. And so I know a little bit about what I'm saying. And yet, it requires that plowing up, that turning over. And many of us, in our own lives, we feel like we've been plowed. We feel like things in our life have been just turned upside down. Congratulations. It's a prologue event for what God is depositing in your life. Hear me. But I want to talk about out of Scripture this morning. I want to talk about another prologue event. The prophet Elijah. 1 Kings 17, we see this man... And the Bible says, the book of James says, a man just like you and, my, and I. Now, I'm not quite sure that I've ever had any power over weather. But Elijah did. And we see Elijah showing up on the scene, and he's not healing the sick. He's not pronouncing a blessing. He is decreeing a curse. In response to the apostasy of Israel, 
the evil of the house of Ahab, and he shows up and he says this, it will neither rain nor do in the next few years except at my command. Now that's quite a way to show up on the scene of history. Is ruining a nation, ruining their economy, plunging people into disaster and famine and death, and yet this is the appearance that he has on the scene of history. What an event. And what's interesting is that we know from the book of James again that that period of time was roughly three and a half years from the time that Elijah appears pronounces a curse until the moment we're going to talk about in just a moment where that curse is broken and rain begins to fall again. What's interesting is that we are in a very similar three-and-a-half-year period of time from the first quarter of 2020 to here we are now in 2023. It's almost an identical three-and-a-half-year period. Stay with me. And we see that period of time fulfilled. We see this moment where the prophet goes to the top of Mount Carmel. And he says this, he says, I hear the sound of a heavy rain. Listen to me, saints. Prophets around the world are hearing the sound of a heavy rain. We're hearing the same thing in this moment and in this hour it's happening and not only is are we hearing that sound but we're beginning to see the first drops of a global historic revival beginning to fall in our day let me show you some pictures the very first picture that you see on the screen here is a picture from 1970 this is a school in Wilmore, Kentucky in the United States. It's known as Asbury College. It also has a seminary. But in February of 1970, God moved in a miraculous way on this college campus. Historians we now refer to this as the Asbury Revival. And it happened. My wife's brother was a student at Asbury at that time. I have first-hand account of what happened. Let me show you the second picture. This is Asbury, February 2023. 53 years later, the same place and the same thing happened. And what happened? A group of students wanting more of God, just hanging around after a required chapel service. There was no celebrity preacher. There was no worship team. There was no altar call. There were no baptisms. Everything was wrong for God to move. And yet, 53 years later, God moved. Students, I use, I use a new word now, hangry. Hanging out and hungry for God. They were hangry students. And this revival began to move from campus to campus, from city to city. We have a church planter in Denver, Colorado. He called me. He said, Pastor Jim, he said, I know that many people are going to Wilmore, Kentucky. And yes, thousands and thousands of Christians begin to make their way to be a part of this revival. But this church planter told me, he said, I don't want to go to Wilmore. I want Wilmore to come to Denver. And I said, David, that's the greatest thing I've ever heard. Keep pressing for that, and that rain will follow you to Denver, Colorado. Last week, next picture. This is a picture from Auburn University in Alabama. The wife of a coach had a prophetic dream. And she saw thousands of people being ministered to in an auditorium, in a stadium. And that meeting happened. The gospel was preached. And what you see here is an evening where hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of college students were baptized in water. Right here. 
they turned their headlights of their cars to this lake, and they were baptized right there in that instant. I was at a church in January in Austin, Texas, and preached this message, or a message very similar to it. And a few weeks later, the pastor sent me an email or text, and he said, Hope all is well. Things here have exploded since January. Almost 4,000 have been saved in our church. Over 100 healings and miracles, and hundreds baptized in the Holy Spirit. Let me just say, this is just in the United States. This is beginning to happen now all over the world. The sound of heavy rain, of revival, and it's beginning to fall. In January, I spoke a message, survival or revival. And I don't have time to re-preach that message this morning, but let me say to you, there's going to be very little in between. We're either going to be hanging on for dear life, surviving, or we're going to be under the rain cloud of revival. And there's going to be very, very little in between. But it begged the question, how then do we prepare? What do we do? And it takes two things. One is expectation. We know that faith is the assurance of things what? Hoped for, but what? Not yet seen expectation is a marvelous aspect of faith but listen to me expectation is incomplete without the preparation that goes with it if you really believe something is going to happen guess what you're going to prepare for it it may be as simple as reading the weather report and the weatherman says it's going to rain today you're going to be prepared and you're going to bring a what an umbrella it could be that simple but it's expectation plus preparation that's what the church has to do in this hour is be prepared so that's my whole message from january but now let me talk about what we're going to talk about this morning how do we respond you see what was being prophesied at the end of last year and at the beginning of this year hear me is that now we're not prophesying anymore. We're reporting the news. These are things that are already happening. And listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. Hear me well. We are in this generation. God has chosen you and me this moment in history to steward this revival. I want you to hear something. The weight of that, the response, the responsibility, and yes, the joy that those who have prayed generations before us waiting for another move of God, He has chosen you and me not only to participate but to steward this outpouring of what God is doing. Amazing. So what do we mean, first of all, by revival? That's a word that if I were to ask each one of you, you might give me a slightly different definition of what revival is. But I'm going to give you my definition only because I'm the one preaching this morning. <laughs> revival. The supernatural, superimposition of God's kingdom on temporal kingdoms, both personal and corporate. Let me repeat that. The supernatural, superimposition of God's kingdom on earthly or temporal kingdoms, both personal and corporate. That's what I believe revival is. Now, we talk about the kingdom of God, but most of the time we talk about the kingdom in the context of a right now kingdom and a heavenly kingdom yet to come. But when we talk about it, most of the time we're trying to pull down the benefits of that heavenly kingdom into our temporal world. But let me tell you, you can't have a kingdom without a king. You can't have a kingdom without a way that that king wants his kingdom ordered. 
And this is something that it's not just about the benefits now. It is about stepping into the reality of God's kingdom. He is the undisputed king with his rules, his regulations, and he has his benefits. Pentecost, revival coming that first time. Unprecedented. And let me say to you that the way this is going to happen, it may not touch those aspects perfectly of other historical revivals that were geographically limited or constrained to one place. Because I believe that what God is doing is, is a bit different, and I'll, I'll unpack that in just a moment. And it becomes critical for us that we, each one of us, individually, and yes, church to church, city to city, and nation to nation, that we respond rightly to this rain that is falling from heaven. We see on that 1 Kings 18, that moment on Mount Carmel where the prophet Elijah has this moment of confrontation with the prophets of Baal. Those prophets of Baal representing the religious system around Ahab and Jezebel. We see this moment where Elijah steps forward and he builds his altar according to God's commands. And he steps forward to pray and it says that fire fell from heaven and consumed the sacrifice. Let me just tell you, in moments of revival, God will come with fire. And he will fall. And it will be evident to all of God's approval of our worship in that moment. But beyond just that, it says that the people responded when they saw this. It says they fell down proclaiming the Lord, he is God. Let me tell you. It won't be what happens up here. It won't be great preaching. People will walk in. They will experience the power and the presence of God. And they will unexpectedly begin to fall down prostrate. The Lord, He is God. Wow. Revival. The prophets of Baal slain. But then it says, He climbs to the top of Mount Carmel. And he begins to pray. Now what's interesting is Ahab is there. The king of Israel. And Elijah tells him, go eat and drink. For there is the sound of heavy rain. Interesting that what Elijah is about to do is to go get into a posture of birthing prayer. To break the curse he had decreed three and a half years earlier. And he tells Ahab... You just go do what carnal people do. You go eat and drink. And he begins to pray. And at first he sees nothing. And he continues to send his servant back until finally he reports back after the seventh time, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. And he sends word to Ahab, Hitch up your chariot before the rain stops you. I want you to hang on to that for a minute. Hitch up your chariot because you need to run ahead of this rain because this rain will stop you. But what happened to Elijah? It says, tucking his cloak into his waistband, it says he ran in the power of the Spirit all the way to Jezreel, outrunning Ahab. Look at the difference. And this, is, and, and this is a distance of 25 miles. I mean, he's running the entire way in the power of the Holy Ghost. You see, we walk by faith. We run in the Spirit. There's a difference. And I tell you, I don't mind walking by faith. But I don't know about you, but I'd rather get there faster. I'd rather get in the rain of the outpouring of God, and I'd rather be able to run in the Spirit. And listen to me. In these moments where God is pouring himself out, 
there is acceleration that happens. Things that have been delayed. Things that seemingly have been said no. Let me just tell you, those, all of those situations begin to instantaneously change. And those things that have been under demonic delay, hear me, when that rain falls, acceleration now comes. We have seen, let me see, hear me, we have seen churches that have believed, been believing God for years, for venues, for buildings to either rent or buy. All of a sudden now, they're not just finding available property. We've got churches that are being given buildings. Hear me. This is what happens in moments of revival. Things that have been in delay, all of a sudden, they begin to happen at an unprecedented pace. That promise extends to your life as well. Things that you know God has spoken to you, into your spirit, from the word, prophetically, however. But it seems like it's taking so long. When that rain comes, listen to me, things begin to move. Things begin to come into moments of acceleration. But while revival brings with it tremendous benefit, hear me, there are requirements, and there's a new resistance as well. So, like Elijah, how do we then run in the rain? How do we do that? First of all, chariots are uniquely man-made modes of transportation. They're made with the design of man. They're made by man in order to transport man. The horses that pull those chariots are horses that are trained by man. The roads that are required for a chariot to operate on are roads that have been mapped out by man, starting here, ending here. And they're built by man. Man-made chariots, man-trained horses, man-made roads. Hear me. Many of us have become excellent chariot drivers. Stay with me. It's interesting. Ahab had to ride, and yet Elijah ran. Some of us have been writing for too long. Our own man-made ideas. This is how I'm going to do it. This is how, this is the path by which I'm going to take. And we wonder, what's wrong? What's happened? It's man-made. Listen to me, saints. I'm going to expand a definition for you. When we see the word carnal in the Bible, many times we equate it to sin. But I would like to expand that definition in light of the moment in which we live. Carnal is anything in our life that excludes the Spirit of God. Anything that excludes the Spirit of God that has its origin in the carne, the meat, <laughs> the carnality of man. And let me tell you, many of us are more carnal than we want to admit. I'm not talking about overt sin. I'm not talking about breaking one of the commandments. But I'm talking about a motivation and an orientation of life that most of our planning, most of what we do, most of what we think about, it is of human origin rather than heavenly origin. Eric Hoffer, an author, wrote this, Where there is the necessary technical skill to move mountains, there is no need for the faith that moves those mountains. And we've been taught to make good decisions. We research. We ponder. We process. We get counsel. And yet, hear me, there's a way that God is going to have us move that's going to be very different. Years ago, my wife and I were pastoring a church in North Carolina, and this dear lady got cancer. She was diagnosed, very ill. We stood with her. We prayed. And we had that Sunday where she came up and she testified that she had been healed. Now, as many people do when they get ill this way, they begin to all of a sudden eat a lot less McDonald's, and they start eating more raw food. 
And so she and her husband were juicing like 20 pounds of carrots every day. Now, let me tell you what happens with us fairer-complected, melanin-challenged <laughs> folk. When you eat that much beta-carotene every day, you turn orange. You look like a cartoon character. And so this dear lady and her orange husband were standing in front of the congregation testifying about her healing. But 80% of her testimony was about the benefits of a raw diet and carrots rather than the fact that Jesus Christ had touched her body and healed her. And I brought she and her husband into my office the next week. I said, you really should decide in, t in your testimony whether or not Bugs Bunny healed you or whether Jesus Christ healed you. Now, I'm not saying that we don't cooperate. But somewhere there's this mixture. Listen to me. There's this mixture. And rain will hinder the man-made. There are going to be churches that have oriented how they do life and ministry around their own great ideas, their own systems, their own liturgies, their own way of doing things that they, maybe they've done for generations and they like it this way. That rain will actually hinder some of those churches. Hear me. The Holy Spirit poured out uniquely, late 50s, early 1960s, offered to historic denominations first. But they said, we like who we are. We like what we do. We like how we do it. And the rain will only hinder us. And God just moved his cloud and just released it somewhere else. My goodness. You see, rain will hinder the man-made. Joshua bringing a nation into their promise. Joshua chapter 3, and his orders were this. When you see the Ark of the Covenant and the priest carrying it, then you are to move out from your positions. And why did he say that? He says, because we've never been this way before. Let me tell you. Just because that you are in a church that speaks in tongues, believes in spiritual gifts, has been preaching about revival and Pentecost, inasmuch as standing in a garage doesn't make you a car, simply being in a church that believes these things, it doesn't maybe apply directly to your life. It's very interesting how this works. And Joshua said, we don't know where we're going. We know this is promise, but we don't quite know how to get there. The Ark of the Covenant representing what? The presence of God. Hear me. Every one of us, things are going to be a bit different. I can tell you, in the last few months, God has made requirements of me. Because I've never been this way before. I've been doing ministry for decades. But what God is requiring and the way that I minister has changed. Because I'm having to find that ark, find that presence, and get under that cloud in a brand new way. Amen? One theologian said this regarding the Holy Spirit. Never say never. Never say always. And because you, because whenever you think you've got, come on, whenever you think you've got Aslan tamed, he's going to move. He's going to shift. The second is I call reign and revolt. The release of God's person and promise often brings with it unprecedented resistance and let me say that i missed this one many prophetic folk when they get something right they're like i saw that 
I prophesied it first. I got it. But many times they're not nearly as quick to say, I missed that. I was wrong. And I want to tell you that even as I begin to preach revival, as early as the summer and the fall of last year, I missed <laughs> the ferocity of the resistance that the enemy would have. That somehow I thought that when the rain began to come, the enemy would step back and say, whoop, well, missed that one. No, he didn't. And let me tell you, the warfare is fairly intense. Israel crossed over into their inheritance, and they ran straight into Jericho. Elijah, the power of the Spirit, fire falling from heaven, the curse broken, rain falling on the land, the prophets of Baal slain, the people responding to God. Elijah running to Jezreel, and this little lady named Jezebel intercepts him and says, I'm coming for you, and I'm going to make your life like one of the prophets that you killed. Elijah barely broke stride. He's been running in the Holy Ghost. Jezebel says, I'm coming for you, and he keeps right on getting it, right out into the wilderness. And I mean, this is the prophet Elijah, and he gets out there, and he asks God, kill me! This is the level of distress that this man was under, spiritually, emotionally, and every other way. He had seen these amazing things happen just hours before, and Jezebel sends him running for his life. Listen to me. The devil hates revival because revival reverses the curse. Revival reverses the attacks of the enemy. He hates it. My goodness. And this unusual openness in the heavenlies that we have. There's unusual opportunities provided on the earth. But there are. There's fierce opposition from the devil. And this is a confusing convergence in this moment because it really is the best of times and the worst of times concurrently. I was sharing at dinner last night that the last year have probably been one of the years of the most intense spiritual warfare my wife and I of 45 years of marriage have had. Not challenges with us as husband and wife, but what we've experienced in the churches, globally, challenges, health issues. I've personally buried both of my parents in the past two years. I mean, it has been an intense, fierce time. Jezebel hates prophets, hates prophetic churches, hates prophetic movements. Listen to me. And hates revival. And Elijah was so tired, he ran into the desert to die. Prayed a very similar prayer that Moses prayed. God, kill me. And let me tell you, when men like Moses and Elijah, Moses, a friend of God, Elijah, the prophet of the Old Testament, both of these guys showing up at the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus, when Moses and Elijah get to a place in their lives where they say, God, I'm done, kill me, don't think that you probably won't get to a similar moment at some point in your life because it will happen. But Elijah's out there in the desert, and he lays down to die, and an angel wakes him up. And by his head is a loaf of bread and some water. And he eats and he drinks and he falls back to sleep. A day later, the angel reappears. There's more bread. There's more water. And scripture records that strengthened by that meal, it says he traveled for 40 days to the mountain of God, Mount Horeb. Now, I don't know what was in that second meal. 
My wife makes sourdough bread. She's got this starter that has to be fed. We don't have a pet, but we have a starter. This is some, this is some powerful bread. I don't know what was in it, but listen to me. That first meal represented healing from the past. The second meal represented sustenance for what was about to come. And you can't eat the second meal until you've eaten the first one. You and I ate that first meal this morning as we celebrated communion. The broken body and, 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 and blood shed of Jesus represented in the bread and the cup. Let me tell you, that is that first meal where everything in our past is dealt with. You've got to eat that meal, the body and blood of Jesus, before you can begin to eat the second that involves coming into the fullness of your destiny. And it was supernatural provision that God provided for both. Hear me. Food for the journey. But my last point in closing, the reign of revival reveals... I'm convinced that the primary role and goal and tactic of the devil is to simply obscure God, to keep us from seeing the God who we know is always there. This is why in the darkest moments of our life that God, many times we have to look harder to see him. Many times we, we look back and we take an assessment of those things that have happened in our past where we thought that God had abandoned us, but we realized He was always there. That the primary attack of the enemy is to keep believers from seeing and to keep unbelievers from seeing the same God. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see. And if anything listen to me saints revival reveals god in new ways ways that we've never seen him before and listen if we come in and through this revival whether it lasts for months or years and however each of us are uniquely affected by this and we just have better marriage. Our prodigals come home. Our bank accounts are larger. Our bodies are healed. If we come out of that with all the benefits, but we don't know him better, we have missed this revival. Because revival to the, to the, to the, to the elect and awakening to the lost, listen to me, it is about making God better known. And if we come through this and we don't know him better, this rain didn't accomplish what heaven intended for it to accomplish. I want you to hear this well. But there's another part of this revelation that's not nearly as much fun. Augustine wrote this. He said, the more we know God, the more we can know ourselves. And the more we can then more fully know God. You see, this concurrent revelation is we get a peek into who we are. And let me tell you, that's not nearly as pretty. That we get a peek into the depth of our own depravity. The sin nature that each of us have been burdened with because of original sin. Paul wrote, he says, Who will rescue me from this body of death? Everything that I do that I don't want to do and I don't want to do, I do. Ah! And this is not a new believer. This is the Apostle Paul writing towards the end of his, his ministry, his illustrious ministry career. This is the author and the architect of grace as we read it in the New Testament. Struggling as God has brought revelation, not just of his great grace, but revelation of who Paul is. Isaiah saw God. And what was his response? I am ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips among unclean people. I am ruined. My goodness. 
And listen to me. The history of revivals most always includes a new or renewed call for holiness, for sanctification, for not just being a better version of ourselves, but looking like Christ himself. Let me tell you, the world doesn't need Jim version 2.0. What the world needs to see is Christ in us, the hope of glory. That's what the world needs. Mm. And true revival will reveal the greatest miracle of all, a transformed life that then becomes a testimony to this grace. This is the greatest miracle of all. You and I, whose names are written in the Lamb's book, that are allowing the sanctifying grace and power of the Holy Ghost to daily change us and conform us into His image. That is the greatest miracle that God is doing every day. Hear me. Paul said this to the Corinthians. He said, you are our letter. You show that you are a letter from Christ. You and I don't just deliver the mail. We are the mail. My goodness. What have I said? It's raining. Hear me. It's raining. So what do we do now? First of all, we run. We don't ride. Some of us have been writing for way too long. Our own understanding, our own intellect, somebody else's faith, somebody else's prayers. It's time to run. Those things that have been in delay are about to get undelayed. Acceleration is the new order of the day. Don't be surprised at the resistance because the devil is not happy about revival because it's a manifestation of the end of the story that he lost. And lastly, that God would reveal himself to us in brand new ways. And as he reveals self to you and me, that we would see his grace afresh. Pray with me. Carol? Lord, let us hear something today. And like any other message that's spoken from any pulpit anywhere in the world, we can hear and forget. Or we can listen. And we can receive this as an invitation from heaven to step into the rain, to step into revival, and watch God do a miracle. Lord, let it be for this house, for these people, for this nation. In Jesus' name, amen. I, I felt like God wants, doesn't want to end right now. I feel like he's got some things for some people here this morning. I, I was delighted to, to hear from the Lord while you were preaching, Pastor Jim. You know, when we run in the rain, Jezebel comes after us hard. And I don't want you thinking about who is Jezebel, what woman there is. You know, guys, it's, it's a spirit. The devil hates you. He hates everything about God. When you start moving in the things of God, he starts trying to resist that. But what I love about the end of the story is that Jezebel was eaten by dogs. Elijah was taken up to heaven in a chariot of fire. We know the end of the story. Keep running. Don't be distracted by what's coming at you. Because the purpose of that is to stop you from running. And the way we serve God's purposes, the way we receive that supernatural bread from heaven, is we don't stop running. Because on the way, God will provide. On the way, 
God will provide. We hear his voice and we follow after his voice. I felt like God wanted to come and do some things in your lives. If you have any words of knowledge, Pastor Jim, we're going to pray for people, so, so get those ready. I, I felt like there are people here that, that you have rec- you felt, I mean, you haven't received it. I was about to say you received resistance. You don't, we don't receive resistance. You've, you've experienced resistance. You've experienced things just going the opposite way from where you felt like God was leading you, pushing back against the purposes of God in your life. You felt that. And I feel like God wants to bring that acceleration that you spoke about right now. I feel like he wants to deposit faith in your heart for that acceleration. That he wants to break through that resistance with the power of his presence in your life. And what it's going to look like is words that are going to come out of your mouth that are going to speak of the glory of God. It's going to to look like actions that come to mind that as you do them, things are transformed around you. It's going to look like a plan that is supernaturally given to you, that as you follow it, new things will happen. And I feel like God wants to, wants to deposit almost, if you will, a supernatural gift of acceleration in your life, to think like Jesus, to receive what he has for you, to run with him despite the resistance. So if you're here and you have been experiencing resistance, won't you stand up? I feel like like God wants to do something supernatural. I'm going to ask you to pray, Pastor Jim. Let me expand just for a moment. Could you take that? There's some of you here that you've been asking for healing not only in your body but for a family member and it seems like that healing has been in delay and if that's you this is the day that God is releasing the delay and he's bringing healing into your household and if that's you if you're already standing great if you're not standing get on your feet don't think much about this this is not about thinking this is about responding to a moment in God and I don't want you to miss this some of you have been waiting on some employment things oh we'll call you next week we'll call you tomorrow you'll hear from us soon and one day turns into another day into another week into another month and in the meantime It seems like your oil is running out. Let me just tell you, in this rain, acceleration's coming. Answers are coming for employment. Answers are coming for the release of finances. They're coming. If that's you, whether it's healing, whether it's finance or employment, whether it's the resistance that Pastor Carol spoke of, I want you to get your hands in the air because this is the posture, the universal sign of surrender and the universal sign of receiving. Lord, you see the hands. And Lord, we are frail, we're weak, we're human. And Lord, we're weary of the weight. So we're asking you now in the name of Jesus in light of the hour in which we have found ourselves, that God, you would move now, right now, touching bodies, healing, coming. God, the prodigals that have been walking home would turn away and they would now begin to run in the direction of the home from which they fled. God, we are asking for those employers that have been God, they've been slow in response. Mail that's gotten lost. Emails that got stuck in the wrong box. God, we are asking for responses. That God, next week in this place, there would be testimonies that the job showed up. Employment happened. Resources supernaturally found themselves in my household. Let it happen. And Lord, right now, We say no to the enemy. 
Okay, now, I, you guys are acting like great, great Lutherans this morning. And I want to thank you for how well-behaved you are. Listen to me. The flip side of loving God is hating the devil. Listen to me. The reason the Son of Man appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Listen to me. And you can't fulfill worship unless you are at war with the devil. This is a moment for you to say no at the top of your voice. Tell him right now, no, no, no. You will not resist any longer. You will not steal from me any longer. You will not afflict my children, abuse my body any longer. You will not obscure the God and the hope of my salvation any longer. No, no, no. And now we say yes to every promise and purpose of God that has been ordained for our lives. Now say yes, yes, yes. Yes, give God the biggest shout you've ever given Him in your entire life. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Lord, we receive your goodness. We receive your goodness. We receive your goodness. There was a word of knowledge that came from our intercessory team for people who are battling with shame, fear, and depression. So if that is you, we would love to pray for you. I'm going to invite the fire squad forward. They they would love to just lay hands on you and trust God with you. It's probably broken already after that prayer, but they just want to stand with you and know you and be part of your victory. So if you're battling with anything like that, please just come forward and let them pray for you. But otherwise, can we just give the Lord a hand? How faithful God is. How faithful God is. There's so much good in your future. There is so much good in your future. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace. Amen and amen and amen. God bless you, everyone.